You've tuned into the Bellingham Podcast for the week of October 29, 2017. Episode, going once, going twice, 56. Boom! From the city by the Salish Sea, I am AJ Barsay. And I'm strong to the finish because I eats me spinach. I'm Chris Powell, the podcast man. On this episode, AJ and I have some public service announcements for the better of society. Also, AJ discovers a beautiful needle in the Watch World haystack from overseas. And I wax nostalgically about a long lost customer service technique that simply doesn't exist today. Our show is packed with 100% of your recommended daily allowance of vitamin C. In this case, the C stands for cool. This is the Bellingham Podcast. <laughs> I'm Chris Powell, the sailor man. That's right. I got a million of them. How are oh, you doing, AJ? I'm doing good, Chris. I do not know where you get these hooks. Uh, I, I've, I have a vast knowledge of obscure references from growing up in the 1980s. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so before we get into our show, I just want to put out a, uh, a station break. The fact that uh, this is going to be the last episode until November 12th, uh, largely because of scheduling and traveling and other good stuff. Classified so, uh, ventures that we are going on. For your eyes only, That's Chris. right. In this case, for your ears only. For your, er- your ears only. So we will be on a station break until you'll, you'll see a new show uh, the weekend of uh, November 12th. So, yeah. All right. So, Chris, uh, at the top of the show, also we have a new segment: the op-ed soapbox. Yes, we uh, we we got a couple things that we just need to air out some of uh, the things that we've been internalizing and and share with others that might be able to benefit them in their lives. AJ, you're up. <laughs> Hit it. So, I'm gonna grab the uh, soapbox here. I'm gonna drag it uh, to the public square, uh, throw it down, and stand upon it. So, here's my opinion and editorial. This last week. Uh, And this is directed towards photographers and budding photographers and pretty much anybody relating around this piece of software that I have mentioned before on the show and my Patreon, on my blog, pretty much everywhere. Uh, It it is, excuse me, it was the last piece of Adobe software that I would use. It's called Lightroom. And it's a tool that's been around for several years and I've been with it since I had to look. Officially, I was with Lightroom starting with Lightroom 3. So I have a lot of um, tricks and uh, presets. Um, my workflow revolves around this app. You've had a lot of investments in this yes. uh, application. It gets me. It gets me to happy hour sooner, uh, largely because I can process photos, get them done, and get to happy hour, and my clients are happy. This last week, Adobe announced that they have updates. And one of which is Lightroom Classic CC. Horrible moniker, by the way. And also Lightroom CC. Well, if you're listening to this going, well, AJ, you've mentioned before, back in uh, the Taylor Doc recording days, that you could buy a perpetual license. And Adobe has always said that there will always be a Lightroom that is outside of the creative cloud. Well, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, that was when their shares were trading at around or around $54 a share. And now that they're in uh, upwards of $154 a share, this last week they announced that that will not be the case going forward. And if you are an unfortunate person like myself, who this last weekend noticed that in your update, uh, the the Adobe updater, that there was just an update for Lightroom and you were in the middle of a shoot and you grabbed a cup of coffee and hit update and came back and noticed that your Lightroom was completely bricked. I have a lot of empathy for you because I went one step further as a good tech because I wanted to know what the hey happened. I got on the horn with Adobe 
customer care. And for an hour, I did not get very great customer care. Uh, and fortunately, I was able to get my Lightroom back up and running only because I was a tech, Chris. This is not an easy oops. So uh, for those who have to deal, deal with customer service out there, uh, it's a difficult process, even for those that have tech food or ninjutsu like us. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I, I, I told the, the, the customer care rep right up the bat. I was like, look, I am, I'm pretty furious right now. I need this fixed. And I needed it fixed five minutes ago. You know, I, I mean, I, we've been on that side, Chris. So, I mean, I was upfront, carte blanche to tell me what I need because I need to get going. And in the meanwhile, I'm also hedging my bets. I was pulling from my backup as well because I, I have my machine, my entire machine backed up. You know, like we say, if it's not in three places, it doesn't exist. Even with my tech foo, Chris, you cannot restore your cop your perpetual license copy of Lightroom from a backup. That's hurtful. Yes. On top of that, you have to do a clean sweep. Adobe does have a cleaner app. Uh, if you have questions regarding that, you can do Adobe Creative Cloud Cleaner and you might be able to find a link to it. It has to be scraped off your machine completely to restore it for your perpetual license one. This is smacking of uh, a veiled version of ransomware. Yeah, it's, it was pretty bad. I was pretty gruff and I was pretty peeved. Um, after uh, a little over an hour, I got back up and running. Um, and I did leave. I did reach out to Adobe. I, I left in, in my transcript with that, that customer care. I go, look, you need to escalate this. Uh, I am a podcaster and feel free to, you know, get me any information clarifying this issue with your product. Because my biggest beef here is it was the announcement for Lightroom Classic CC and Lightroom CC horrible monikers. I would assume classic. Okay. Mine's being legacy. This is not this is not uncommon for Adobe to do this, but unfortunately it's a whole other new product and it was in the update channel, not the trial channel. So if it was down below, it said try, I wouldn't, I would not be on the mic being gruff as I am right now. I would have been like, okay, cool, whatever. I'm dead. I'm done. Cool. Instead, they decided to do a switch and by default, it deletes your copy, Chris. And replaces it with a seven-day trial yeah. of this other product. No. So, first of all, my bad. I updated when I had work on the table. That I own. That was my bad. But, regardless, why the heck was this new product in the update channel for those of us that own perpetual licenses? That is a foul from any anybody will tell you that. And then, bad naming convention. Anyway... Um, my public service announcement is if you own Lightroom outright, do not hit the update. It will replace it. And uh, if you are in the Creative Cloud, you're fine. I just have a bone to pick with the new Lightroom CC when I because I do have the availability to see what the, the, the other version of Lightroom is. I couldn't get it to load on my, my 5K iMac. That says something. Yeah, and, until I'd, I had to do some food to get it to work too. But... D this this just just gets down to this this topic that we've we've kind of been hitting back and forth, Chris. Is as much as we say like you know, uh, hardware really doesn't matter. You know, as long as you can get to the software to get your job done, and subscription services, and specifically those of us that are not in those subscription services, it plays a very fine line where it's like they they do not they being software companies, some software companies don't want you to have own purchase 
their software. They want to lease it. Yeah, I think we need to come to grips, uh, folks, with the the end of the days where we had that big cardboard box uh, with a couple CDs in there uh, or install discs and a postcard that had the code on there. Those days, unfortunately, are over, and we're in a new era of, will this work? Yeah. And, and it's unfortunate. So uh, 2018, my, my New Year's resolution uh, is I, I am going to be divorcing the last remaining bit of Adobe on my computer. And that uh, I'm going to be trying desperately. To, and it's going to be a time uh, cost for me. I'm going to have to migrate everything that I've got in Lightroom. And I'm going to migrate to something that does not have that big red A. There's two that I'm looking at. Uh, Mac Fun, who just this last week at the time of this recording, just rebranded themselves as Skylum. Uh, they have a product called Luminar, and I've, I've looked at Luminar uh, since its inception. 2018 looks to be a very, very good heavy hitter for pros. It's going to have a, a dam, which is a digital asset manager, which is what it's been lacking. We still want the clean tag on our uh, podcast. Yes, yes, yeah. Digital <laughs> asset manager. That's what dam is. Thank you. Uh, and... It, it, for, for pros or enthusiasts alike, Luminar is really shaping up to be an awesome product. And oh, by the way, you purchase it one time for like 60 bones or 70 bones. Uh, and I have several, full disclosure, I have several of their other apps as well. I mean, MacFun's been around for a while. Uh, but also I'm looking at Phase 1 Capture 1, uh, which I've, I've owned a license in the past. But again, what prevented me to go jump ship has always been my workflow. And Adobe, you have blatantly told me that you do not want my business and or my recommendation. So, goodbye. Well, so, I'm off my soapbox, Chris. Well, I'm sorry that that uh, occurred for you, especially when you were doing professional work at the time. That must have been a massive stress ball. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, here's hoping that 2018 you'll be in uh, happier places with your professional uh, technology. I look, I look forward to it. So, Chris... Uh, that's my soapbox. What are you getting on the soapbox about? Well, let me grab that uh, soapbox over here and kind of hoist it over to my uh, area where the microphone's at. So um, I have, I, I'm an observer. I observe things uh, in technology. I observe people in society, and I observe people in society using technology in public. And my public service announcement is to everyone using their mobile phones in public. We can consider this a primer for technology etiquette. Number one, if you are at a restaurant or a coffee shop with someone and simply must have your phone on the table, show that person that you actually have a slight bit of interest in being with them. Set your phone to vibrate and place it face down on the table. I kind of equate that to when you have a date, you have to look at her eyes, if you know what I'm saying. Well, that's mandatory because otherwise bad things happen. But, right, yeah. right. But I mean, that's the that's kind of, okay, move, <clears throat> number no, two. Number two, yes, let's move on. If you were talking on your mobile phone while the checkout clerk is ringing up your food items at the grocery store, you are automatically despised by that aforementioned clerk as well as everyone else in line behind you. And also, you're not as quiet as you think you are when you're doing that too. Like, ever notice that people, tr they're like loud at being quiet? Yes. Their lines? Uh, speaking of that, number three. Nice lead in. Number three, if you choose to take a call in a public place, kind of like a grocery store or in a coffee shop or in a restaurant, and and slouch down in your chair uh, a little bit lower to have a more private conversation, your efforts will be futile. We can still hear your conversation because we're still too feet away from you. <laughs> Please get up and move to a place where people can't hear you. Number four. 
The longer it takes you to swipe through the thousands of photos on your mobile phone to find that picture you wanted to show us, ooh, ooh, ooh. the less and less we are interested in seeing this photo. Oh. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sad panda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do a little bit of prep work if this matters. True. Yeah. So anyway, number five, and this is my final uh, bit of etiquette to uh, share with you. If you decide to take a selfie in public... And make a pouty fish face with your lips or flip your hair around and strike that pose you've seen from those beautiful people you follow on Instagram. You officially waive your right to not be gawked at or laughed at by everyone around you. Zoolander called. He wants his ridiculously good looking photo poses back. (laughs) Smoochy boochies. Thank you very much, folks. Chris, can I add a 5A to that? Please add a 5A. Go for it. When in public, especially when traveling... Yes, you do look goofy if you use a selfie stick. Amen. Preach. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, and so that uh, concludes my public surf- service announcement for uh, technology etiquette in public. I love that. And another etiquette we need to do because we're on the air is you're listening to KMRE 102.3 FM. Low power. Low power. Community radio. Here in the heart of the city of subdued excitement. Your voice, your radio station, your community. Well, I our, think I got that voice. right. Yeah, our voice. Our voice. Anyways. Yes. Moving on. Moving on. I'm moving on. Okay. Because I got one more for you. Okay. Uh, this is not necessarily a public service announcement. It's more of, of, of an observational view from the balcony. Let's, I, let's I, call it that. How about your epiphany of humanity? A, an epiphany of humanity. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> I, I, will, I will be cool with that. Uh, so I've noticed this in uh, recent years. And uh, sing along if you know the words, folks. Uh, you go to a store and your total that you're uh, purchasing is $12.22. And you give the clerk or the person by the cash register your $20 bill. The clerk looks at the digital register screen and sees the change due, grabs the uh, change in one fell swoop and, and says like a parrot, $7.78 is your change. Right. Have, have a good one. Yep. So... That's not how it used to be. And I believe I'm turning into a grumpy old man when I say this. No, no, I, I empathize. Continue. But it, see, it used to be, and I, and I waxed nostalgically for this one, like I said in the, in the opening hook. When I was in a job that required me to give change back to customers, and, and so this was uh, where I worked at a restaurant uh, where I grew up, and I was a host, waiter, cashier, busboy. The, the one-man band. Yeah, it was, we were short-staffed. Uh, when, a cu- when the bills... When, when the customer's bill was $12.22 and they handed me a 20, I was trained by some really smart people uh, to get the change out of the cash register and go, so 78 cents makes 13, 14, 15, 20. That was the sound of me handing them dollar or cash Making bills. Making it rain. You count the money backwards to the amount of the, con- the currency that they give you instead of just saying, here's your change. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you're doing reverse math in your head. It kind of lights up some of those dendrites and neurons in your brain. It's kind of a fun thing, folks. Give it a try sometime. Uh, and so this is something that I just have noticed. Uh, have any of you noticed this, th- this as well? I kind of lament for the past. I would love to see that come back uh, in today's society. But until then, I have to think about those uh, glorious halcyon days of my youth. Well, I mean... <sighs> Who carries that? Other than us, who carries analog cash? Like that—that's part. I mean, oh, just dash my whole. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, 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 I agree with you because yeah. back in the days of having a till and you, it was your till. You know, that was the thing is that you counted back, make sure your till wasn't short, and 
and I had this happen a few times when people didn't count backwards, yes. they gave me a dollar extra. Yeah, that is that is the point. So and and you do bring a good point up, AJ, because you know who who does cash or who doesn't? You know, we do. In, but in, in the day of in the day of digital Stripe, Stripe swipe, p- uh, PayPal. Yes. <laughs> um, how many of you have phone numbers memorized? Back in the day, we yeah, had to memorize yeah. those 10-digit numbers that we took our index finger, stuck it in the rotary dial, and go, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you get the point. Uh, and so I, I have a feeling that we're losing some of these uh, skills involving uh, society and uh, being a, uh, being a contrib- con- contributing member of society. Well, over, it's, it's an, oh, I don't know, I'll, I'll take one step above that. I would say it's, it's our over-dependency on our technology telling us what we don't want to think about. Yeah. So if you want to challenge folks, uh, get used to counting change backwards, starting with the, the, the cents to give that dollar bill number and then count back up to the actual denomination that you give. And when you are buying local, try to use cash. That way you're, uh, the, the vendor isn't on the hook for like the 5% credit card transaction fee when you buy your $2 stick of gum. Yeah. When you royal against uh, that little uh, taped handwritten sign that says 45 cents for any debit charge transaction under $5. Yeah. There's a reason they're doing that. Not to jack you for money. They're getting jacked for money by the Visa and MasterCard and whatever else company. So, you know, a little bit of cashola always is kind of nice. Yeah, that's a that's a double whammy public service announcement uh, right Well, you there. know, that's a happy one because, you know, we kind of went a little into the, yeah, into the, the negativity, but we're bringing it back. So uh, along those same lines, let, let me let me bring us to a happy place. Your happy place. My happy place. Take a look at AJ's happy place, folks. My happy place involves 60-second dials and sweeping hands. Yes, we're talking about watches. Watches! Hit it! So I I have been on my, my shtick lately about purpose-built stuff. And last episode, I did a little bit of Pacific Northwest history. Today, we're doing a little bit of more international military history because I have acquired something new. So... Uh, and, and the links uh, in the show notes to all of the historical references that I'm going to make. But if you look at a, a lot of watches today, we are common. We, Chris and I usually talk about this thing called a NATO strap. It's a you know military G10 based strap where it has this this really long, usually nylon uh, strap, and you wrap it around your wrist and your watch. And if a spring bar fails, it was designed so that it would keep your watch still on your wrist, which if you're military or if you're special forces and back in the, you know, World War Two and World War One days, like this was a tool. You know, if you were a pilot, you did not want to not be able to count your time and telemetry and all this other jazz because you might get shot down. This was a bad thing. Well, there's another strap out there that is very military based. And I wanted to do a little bit of a research into it because I've always wanted one and I didn't realize what that one was because the colorings mean something different so back in the day there was a watch company who was doing business with the french navy also known as the marine nationale and uh, there's also a subsection of that called the nage de combat and forgive me if my french accent is horrible (laughs) uh, which i believe is their version of like their naval special forces and Tudor, uh, the the watch company that's owned by Rolex, they made these very cool looking military watches. It's a usually it's a blue submariner divers looking watch, but it had very unique hands. It had like a looks like a snowflake. It looks like a square on its side as the hour hand, and then a long sword hand for the minute hand. And and the Tudor snowflake was born. Well, when this was done, 
because it's you know military contract, they would just ship the head ends, meaning just the heads of the watches, no straps. And so out of it, military is going to do what military does, and they're going to use what they have on hand to make a strap for their watch. Thus, this parachute elastic webbing was used. And basically, a gentleman would take parachute, uh, this parachute stretchy elastic, and they would fashion kind of like a NATO around it, but they would use a clasp, looks like a, like a V type of clasp, and use hardware straight off of parachute harnesses. Now, the other reason why it was made out of elastic was because some of these guys, like the Najeur de Combat, they would have to have wetsuits, and so they'd have to have their, their watch strapped on their wrist, and your wrist is a little bit burlier now because you have a wetsuit on, so it was purpose-built. Now, fast forward, you know, uh, 50, 60, 70 years, people on the internet go nuts over what's called Marine Nationale watch straps. And they're really cool because they're, they're basically like that olive drab green with a yellow stripe. But every so often I saw on the Instagram and other places, watch forums, this more olive drab khaki with a red stripe. And specifically, there was a company, a, a, a one-woman shop, as I understand it, called uh, Erica's Originals. And I believe she's based out of Spain. And I was, it must have been about a year ago, Chris, because we were our, our, our podcast was in the lower digits. And I saw on her, her Instagram feed this older, what I, what I presumed is an older version or a different version. I didn't realize that she, at the time, she actually sources the webbing new old stock or decommissioned parachute like harnesses for her watch straps. And so I reached out to her as a, as a knucklehead and I was just like, Hey, the red stripe one, do you have any in stock? And she's like, well, unfortunately no, because they're kind of hard to get because you know, it was made in the late sixties. Well, fast forward one year and I get this email cause I subscribe to her newsletter, much like quiet conversations. <laughs> and she sends an email before she puts that out to social media to a group of us that subscribe saying that she got her hands on some new old stock of some 1960s parachute elastic with the red center line. New old stock, meaning never been used, never been commissioned. Take my money now. Oh, you bet. The, the night that I saw that, I emailed her because she has a website and you email her your wrist size and all this other jazz because she tailors the strap to your wrist. And so I bought one, and it's it's the 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 uh, Erica's original uh, Marine Nationale vintage strap with the red line, and you get to choose because she's a stickler for 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 uh, quality. She uses like French linen uh, silk threading for her stitching. It's double saddle stitch stitch and all this other cool stuff that I am not a seamster, nor do I play one on podcast. But there's one other thing that I wanted to ask of her, and that was um, on a few of her custom straps she's had. Uh, clients ask for national flags put onto the uh, where the buckle is, and so I asked if she would put the Italian colors on mine, and she did. Uh, and so I have a uh, a custom tailored to my seven and one quarter inch uh, strap uh, uh, wrist in Erica's Originals vintage with a red stripe and. Chris, it is probably the most comfortable. Uh, it's, it, it is the feeling that you get on a Saturday morning when you don't have to go to work and you grab your favorite pair of sweatpants. That's what this watch strap feels. It's and I, like butter. It is like butter. And I, it's purpose built for the fact that, you know, with its history and I, I get all of that. What's great is I, I am one of those unfortunate guys that has a smaller wrist size. I can't rock big diesel sundials. Sundials. Yeah. You know, I, I like the 40 to 42 millimeter watches, 
But the other thing is I also like, I don't like having a tourniquet on my wrist. I want to be able to move my wrist during the day and not feel like I'm cutting off circulation. This thing just, it's comfortable, it's functional, and the history of it is super, super dope. Would you, AJ, would it be uh, appropriate to say that you ha now have the Cadillac of watch bands? I would watch say, straps? totally, absolutely. I mean, it's a toss-up between Erica's Original and your Toxic Chisnet. Um, but this one, hands down, is my daily driver, and I love the hardware. I love everything about this. And Erica, if, if you listen to our show from Bellingham, Washington, United States of America, you are the goods. Hi, Erica. <laughs> anyway, congratulations on a rare find, great quality. And uh, yeah, we have a, a link in our show notes if you want to check out Erica, Erica's Originals uh, watch straps from overseas. Totally the goods and totally crafted. Speaking of crafted, you also got something in the mail. I did. This is more analog. And I, you know, I'm trying to be, I'm, I'm a, a white or yellow belt when it comes to writing with notebooks and pens and things like that. Uh, but I noticed way back uh, a few months ago, there was a Kickstarter and what, what's our disclaimer, AJ? Uh, Kickstarter is not a store, so buyer beware. Thank you very much. Uh, there is a notebook that was being advertised called the Pano Book, P-A-N-O-B-O-O-K. And it is, I, I was impressed by the video. It's a dot grid uh, journal with uh, some binding uh, that, is, that will allow it to lay flat. And uh, it is, if you can view a typical eight and a half by 11 page notebook, this one is the width, it's almost the width of your uh, wireless keyboard. It is wider, like a rectangle. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was about 20 bucks and high quality paper, you know, made uh, with tender loving care. And I'm like, you know what? I like this. I'll throw these guys uh, 20 bucks in my hard earned cash plus five for shipping. Fair enough. And I received it. And I have espoused the Gloriousness of the Baron Fig Confidant, which I thoroughly enjoy, and I'm currently working through its 160 pages mm -hmm. of filling in with writing and my thoughts. But I have this panel book resting wonderfully above my wireless keyboard in my office. It's its shadow. It's 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 the it's the uh, overhead compartment, if you will, <laughs> uh, the analog to the digital in the equation and in the numerator, if you will. And I have a pen right by the side, comfortably, uh, you know, resting there. That when I have a thought that I don't want to type in to a digital format, I can create lists. And I love the dot grid format to be able to make squares and use the bullet journal. I'm actually working on uh, my own Chris journal method, yeah, uh, the CP uh, method. And uh, I just, if, if you have a chance and you're a, a writer or, or someone who journals, and you want to check out a new product that is rather uh, worth a look. Check out the Kickstarter Pano Book. Uh, they reached their goal, and they I got it a couple weeks ago, and it's pretty darn uh, cool. Now, while we are not a news uh, station, even though we could probably do it better than most uh, news podcasts out there, uh, AJ, there was a big old Horkin uh, story in Watchville yeah. involving an auction. Yeah. Involving an, an, a United States American actor that we all know and love. Paul Newman. There you go. Hit it. So Paul Newman, uh, well known for various things. One of the things in the watch community that he's known for is a specific Rolex Daytona that he wore. Uh, his wife actually got it for him while he, uh, they were both doing the film Winning, if I recall. And in the watch in in the watch community, it's just it's a reference that everybody knows and loves is that style of watch. Well, anyway. The actual Paul Newman, Paul Newman Rolex Daytona went up for auction. 
And the way that it was done was just remarkable. I watched it live from New York City. And it just, it doesn't matter if you're a watch geek and uh, an actor, uh, acting, you know, like people like a lot of uh, memorabilia from certain films and stuff because it was in a lot of films. I don't believe he was ever endorsed or, or, or Rolex ever pumped any money into him. He just, he wore this watch because his wife got it for him and it was a tool. You know, he was a racer. Uh, he did the, the 24 hour Le Mans. I believe uh, he wore that same watch during that. But there's a lot of history around this piece of, uh, of art. And a lot of people online are getting hung up on the fact that, oh, it's a Rolex or anything like that. I don't, I don't know Paul Newman. I mean, he's deceased. But from what all the accounts that I have heard from this guy, he was probably one of the original minimalists. Yeah. He saw function over form. He, he saw this watch probably as a keepsake, but also as a tool. It was a chronograph. His, his daughter remembers using it on track day to time his dad's laps type of a thing. And it was just interesting that how this came to auction was he actually gave it away. He actually gave it to his daughter's boyfriend at the time. And it finally now has come up to auction. And it now has the title of the most expensive wristwatch sold at auction. Uh, it fetched $15.5 million which means after the premium and, and uh, sales tax, as the, the auctioneer joked, that is $17.75 million for a wristwatch that was uh, probably acquired in uh, late 60s, probably for maybe 1,500 bones at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, So it was remarkable. It just was, and I'll put a link in the show notes, it was just an interesting thing to see because it, it, it takes precedence in the fact that it is the most expensive Rolex ever sold at auction. Uh, blows out of the, the the record out of the water, which previous to that I think was like five million for a Rolex. But what I find more interesting is who that watch belonged to and what he was about. Uh, like we talked about off the mic, Newman's Newman's own, I believe, is the, the yeah, brand. the spaghetti sauces and the mm-hmm. salad dressings and all the all the ones where you see his uh, cute mug on the on the label. Yeah, all the pro- all the profits since the inception of that brand, I believe, has been always given away. What a what a ironic concept that here's a product that you are uh, marketing in stores for people to use consumables. Yeah. And you're not making a profit out of it. Yeah. That is just a testimony to a, a, a an anomaly in the celebrity strata. Right. And that that's what I gravitated towards the story about. And it just, like you said, the Hodinkee and, and several other watch outlets, you can read the whole breakdown. But from, from our perspective, like what was really fascinating to me is his philanthropy, his utilitarianness, and the fact that this watch, the 15.5 million, uh, goes back to the Newman Foundation from what I understand. So I watched this uh, YouTube video or I watched the embedded video on the link that we have in the show notes for this auction. And I've been to some uh, auctions in my time. Same here. And I would would advise or I would I would encourage you to watch the video it was lot eight lot eight and what I what I appreciate about the auctioneer and this is the auctioneer that does the 14 no that's the we don't like that no um this gentleman took his time this gentleman took his time and he was very cordial and 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 treated the people on the phone and these bidders were on the phone all that money that was raised, one sets a record, two helps out a foundation. Yeah. 
So anyway, that, I just wanted to close on that. Like I said, if, if you're not, if you're curious about watches and you kind of want to see what this, this hubbub's about, or maybe you're a Paul Newman fan. Like I said, um, I, I'm not a big Paul Newman fan. I just liked the story. It was really cool. So that wraps up for this edition of the Bellingham Podcast. Thank you again so much for listening to us, rating us, pretty please, rating us, reviewing us on the Google Play, SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever else the heck you like to listen to us. If you're in the Bellingham area, be sure to listen to us on KMRE 102.3 FM. Low power. Low power community radio here in the heart of the city of subdued excitement. <sighs> Sold. I'm AJ Barsay. And I'm Chris Powell. Thanks again for joining us once again on the Bellingham Podcast. Hey, that one's saved. Hooray!